Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Hey everyone, it's Krister here with uh, another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen for you. First of all, thank you very much to everyone who got in contact about our Rage Against the Machine episode. That was the last one that we put out. Uh, Some really good feedback on that. Everyone seemed to enjoy it. And we also had some uh, responses to the shit memes that we've been putting out on our social media. And kind of the exact response I was after, which was the really bad groans at terrible puns. So thanks for that. I appreciate it. This episode, though, is all about Bon Jovi's 1992 album, Keep the Faith, which was their first album of the 90s. Dave, as you'll hear, was a big fan of Bon Jovi in the 80s, and so he came into this in a different place to me, because I wasn't that big a fan at all in the 80s, and pretty much decided that I didn't like Bon Jovi by 1992. So I was coming from a very different viewpoint. We will see if uh, either of us had our views changed or how it all went. This is almost a kind of our big finale for this year, by the way, because this is the last proper album that was number one in 1992. But we are going to be putting out a couple more episodes anyway in this season, just to finish it all off and wrap it up. So we've still got a couple more bits to come. But for now, thank you for listening. As always, get in contact via any of the social media, etc. that you fancy. Let us know what you reckon, and we'll see you next time. Cheers! people welcome to another episode of pop collaborate and listen my name is dave fensom i am joined as always by my friend life partner mr krista greer hello everybody yeah thank you uh, everyone for everything from last week i'm uh, glad you enjoyed mm. our rage against the machine special yeah um, had a lot of uh, it's a good feedback on that but everyone everyone i think has been very positive about how much they love the album as yeah, well yeah we haven't had anyone get in contact and go that album was shit have we no no not at all so this week we are back with another album firmly in that rock groove oh my god this is so so metal this is so alternative oh it's, god yeah. isn't it just yes this is uh uh which, which scion of the alternative scene <laughs> have we got this week Chris? we are we're having a look at bon jovi's keep the faith album which uh, it was their number one album from 1992 8th of november it got to number one absolutely first one since was 1990s new jersey is it 1990 no the new jersey 88 yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah um that, so is that, this is their first sort of album release of the 90s yeah. um it was only number one for number uh, for one week but this is actually the last kind of proper album of 1992 because from here on out till the end of the year is uh, best of. So it's Cher's Greatest Hits and Erasure's Pop till right. till the end of December. So this is the last one in the series, basically. After this, wow. we're doing uh, kind of bonuses and best ofs. Wow. Okay. Well, what, what, what a ride we've had through 1992. Yeah, we have. And what what better way to, to, to finish a long ride than with a cowboy who, on a steel horse, he, he rides. rides. Yeah. Absolutely. So look, where where are you at with Bon Jovi up to this point? Right. In 1992, I have, I'm aware of Bon Jovi yeah. because of the big 
pop hit singles they've had in the 80s that were probably on hits albums or now albums that yeah. I had. I was in no way a fan. Okay. I had not listened to any Bon Jovi albums at all. Yeah. I was not a fan of this kind of rock in general. I mm. didn't bother me. And by Night Night 2, I was definitely not a fan because I was far too cool for this sort of nonsense. You know, sure. even if I thought that something was a good tune uh, in this genre, I would have gone, no, I'm not into that, mate. Not for me. Fucking hell. So, no, I was I was off any sort of Bon Jovi train. What about okay. you? Well, look, for me, uh, like discovering a bit of a, an enjoyment for rock in my teenage years, like in a school with no kind of notable rockers that I was mates with and no kind of, you know, no pathway to discover the more credible mm-hmm. stuff. Things like Bon Jovi were my pathway in, you know, like, right, sure. back, I mean, I back from hearing uh, You Give Love on a Bad Name, which is one of those songs that just got me straight away, living on a prayer, yeah. watching those things on the chart show, loved those bands, played, uh, yeah, Slippery When Wet to Death, played New Jersey to death. Oh, did you have them at the time when they came oh, out? Oh, God, then? Yeah, 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 yeah. Those, those were my, my kind of that's like gateway. Eighty six and eighty eight. Yeah, yeah. Those were my gateway drugs into into rock and and metal. You know, right. if, you'd, if you'd have asked me, probably around nineteen, uh, yeah, probably around nineteen ninety, what band I'd like to see more than any other band, mm-hmm. uh, my answer would have been Guns and Roses or Bon Jovi. Right. Like band. If you asked me right. band, okay. Yeah, sure. If you asked me who I wanted to see most in the world at all, it'd have probably been Madonna. Oh, fair right? enough. But certainly. I was a massive, like, you know, Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction, and New Jersey by Bon Jovi were records that I played an awful lot around that time. Right, okay. So were you then excited in 92 when you heard there's a new Bon Jovi album coming out? Okay, now, this is where we were, right? So I I had not yet developed the strong level of cynicism that I had. I mm-hmm. probably knew enough that I wouldn't admit to mm-hmm. wanted to hear a new Bon Jovi record. Okay. But I wanted to hear it and I wanted it to be good. Okay. Okay. I didn't buy it. No. Because I mean because it's again we come coming at this thing it's it's December 1992. Yeah. I've been exposed to so many amazing records. Uh I haven't got the money to to buy all of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, this might have been on a Christmas list, but I but it, I was going to say it was that's sort of an album, isn't it? Yeah, but it, I, I, ne- I never got this. I, ne- I never had this album. No. I had a tape copy of it. I okay, so that. you got you got it at some point soon after release. Yeah, I, I had I had mates that that were into this. My friend Nina, who I think listens to this podcast, uh-huh. was big into into this record. I remember having the t-shirt at, uh, oh, really? at Sixth Form at the Sixth keep, Form oh, College. Keep the Faith t-shirt. She did, yeah, not me. Oh, Nina did, right. Oh, yeah, I fucking didn't. Go okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was I was looking forward uh, to, to listening to this. Um, right. And yeah, I, I heard it at the time and I made my opinions at the time. Going back into it, did you remember a lot of this or were you going, actually, this is a bit hazy. I've, I've blanked it out. Oh, very hazy. Hazy. Very okay. hazy. Okay. Which, which kind of, I guess will give you an indication on the amount of times I played the record at the time. That, yeah, well, in, but this is one of those things, yes, because your mates were taping stuff for you and because there was so much stuff coming out, if there was anything that wasn't fucking brilliant, yeah. it fell right to the bottom of the pile and exactly you didn't give that. it any attention after exactly. the first couple of tries. So yeah, I, I, I understand that. Um, so this is their, is their fifth album and it had been four years since New Jersey. And New Jersey was huge. Enormous. It was fucking massive. Um, you know, it had Bad Medicine, Lay Your Hands On Me, big worldwide mm-hmm. hits. And even the previous one, Slippery One Wet, which had things like Living On A Prayer and... Uh, you Give Love A Bad you Name. You Give Love A Bad Name. So they were world-beating 
in yeah. mid eighties to late eighties. They went on this huge tour after New Jersey, which was like a couple of years worth of touring. Yeah. Um, conquered the world. Fucking one of the biggest bands in the world at that time. Mm-hmm. Took some time off yep. um, after that tour because they were exhausted. They're sick of the sight of each other. Yep. Went and did sort of different things. Uh, bon Jovi obviously went and did the... Blaze of Glory uh, soundtrack. Indeed, the Blaze well, of Glory well, soundtrack. the Young Guns 2 soundtrack. Sure, Glory. he went and did that. Richie Sambora went and did a solo album which was a bit more bluesy infused. Yep. And then they came back for this after deciding they wanted to keep going as Bon Jovi. They made some changes in, in what the way they did things. But they came back, wrote this, and this was... A big expected album, you know. People were very, very interested to hear what was going yes. to happen with Bon Jovi. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I read interviews with Bon Jovi. Says, you know, we went away, uh, we got rid of all the cliches, mm-hmm. um, which we will see about. Uh-huh. Uh, and you know, we wrote some kind of more grown-up songs. You uh-huh. know, you know, yeah. and you know, I mean, it made the smart move in that you know he was self-aware enough to go, we can't keep going on with these glam metal kind of tight yeah, trousers the, songs. So the landscape had changed. You know, in, in the background of this is grunge is happening. You know, mm-hmm. Nirvana is Nirvana is out over a year now. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's taken over the world. We've seen Def Leppard already kind of hit something that was very much out of its time. Uh, exactly. It's immediately signed and dated whenever Def yeah. Leppard had that album this so, year. So, you know, interesting to see what, these guys are doing yeah and you know one of the other things bon jovi cut his hair off yeah he got rid of the big kind of trademark poodle metal hair mullet mullet he got rid of that um and yeah like you're saying that he they decided to make a more mature and rounded album because they couldn't compete with grunge he i mean there's a quote from uh john bon jovi he says um when we got back together, we closed the door and ignored what had happened to our genre of music. We'd been kicked in the teeth by Nirvana. We didn't pay attention to that. We got rid of the cliches, wrote some socially conscious lyrics and got a haircut. I didn't do a grunge thing and I didn't do a rap thing. But I knew I couldn't re- rewrite Living on a Prayer again, so I didn't try. Yeah. So I mean, the idea that he might have contemplated doing a rap thing. Oh, mate, I, I wish. Imagine. How, how awful that would have been. The, the Bon Jovi hip-hop record. Oh, incredible. I, the, I mean, there were, there were hip-hop records I've heard that I'm sure it couldn't be worse than. Lil Bon Jovi. Lil Bon Jovi. <laughs> Lil BJ. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So I had not heard this album before anyway. This is brand new to me. Yeah. Um, I had come into it, like I'm saying, with a pretty... An open mind because since 1992... I have absolutely enjoyed a lot of Bon Jovi. You know me, and mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the, the really silly stadium rock stuff, the big fun things. And I think, for example, I think Blaze of Glory, the song, is fucking brilliant. Yeah, absolutely too. amazing. I think uh, Wanted Dead or Alive is one of the best songs ever written. I think it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, bon Jovi are one of the bands I've never seen live, and I would love to see them live, because imagine seeing... All of those hit songs in a field or in a stadium or something like that. I would be well up for that. I, I would if they would play them the way they were written. Oh, do you think not think they do anymore? No. Oh, really? I think I think I think uh, they do grown up versions. Yeah. Oh fuck. Oh, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, in that case, maybe not. But one of the the things I tried to think of when I was listening to this album is: Would I enjoy listening to this song really loud in a field with some friends? on a, a nice drunk buzz. That was one of my criteria for, is this decent or not? Yeah. So I was trying to trying to give that sort of a, a background to a, a song I'd never heard before. Well, I mean, I, the thing is, right, I, I kind of came into it to, to a certain degree trying to uh, give it a little bit of that. But the issue is, 
by their own reckoning and by their own intent they've tried to make a more grown-up, socially conscious album. Yes, yes, so to a certain degree, you have to view it through that filter mm-hmm. and work out whether they're successful in that or not. Okay, sure. If they're going for a more grown-up uh, and adult album, they're not... You know, what they're basically saying is, oh, we're not trying to be Def Leppard, we're trying to be R.E.M. I mean, they're not saying specifically that. No, but that sure, is. okay. So I've tried to be as open-minded to this record as I possibly can be. Totally good, yeah. You know, I think we've already established it wasn't the album I wanted to hear when it came out in, 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 in 1992. So, you know, I went back to it to see, uh, you know, how it how it had gone. So, Fine. you know, well, I mean, there were a lot of singles that you could not avoid as well if you had any interest in rock music at this time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but it's, it definitely makes sense that you're, if you're 16 and you're no interest really in this, like I didn't, but this is written as an adult album, maybe I'm going to get more out of it as an adult than a snotty 17-year-old. Maybe. Maybe. So perhaps it's written for me today rather than me in 92. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other thing I just want to point out is in terms of sales, uh, they they were huge. They were fucking massive. Um, they are the 47th highest selling act in the world mm-hmm. in terms of units sold between Linkin Park and Britney Spears. Nice. This album went double platinum, so 2 million in the States, and it went single platinum in the UK, which is only 300,000. Uh, but... Which sounds, you know, that's a lot of albums sold, but when you compare that to the previous one, Slippery Went Wet went 12 times platinum in the States. 12 million sold on that. Uh, New Jersey went seven times platinum Mm -hmm. in the States. So this is definitely a bit of a climb down for the band. This is not their heyday anymore. This seems to me like them going, okay, what what we've got is probably unsustainable, this this level of ultra success. So now we're going to do something... For the fans, yeah, fine. and you know, this is a record where they've gone. Okay, the pe- the the core of our fans that like of us have grown up. What have they grown up into? Yeah, is this the kind of thing they will like as grown ups? Anyway, so look, right. Let's start off with this album cover. Okay. Now, sure. nothing to me says uh, grown up rock and roll like a black and white photograph. Oh, definitely. I think we've had a few of those. Sort of, yes, yeah. indeed. So look, this is this is it's kind of an almost an arty Athena print, isn't it? And mm. we've got some bros hands, which we presume are the, the the hands of the band members. I would assume that too. I don't know differently, so I'm going to assume that. And they're, what they're doing is they're showing off unity. I would imagine. Yep. Uh, by putting their hands together in a kind of a, a like a, a football kind yeah, of power kind of way, yeah. uh, and also showing off a variety of terrible wristwear. Oh, shocking. Because they've made a lot of money. and you Apparently spend it on tat that, you know, shops that sell things that, oh, this was bought in Guatemala. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is, oh, you know, this is actually a native Indian mm-hmm. traditional uh, leather wrist strap with a bit of gold yeah. on it. Uh, yeah, 400 pounds. 400 pounds, mate. No problem. Yeah. Oh, wicked, yeah. I'll oh, yeah, this is a sterling silver wristlet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it means nothing to me at all, this uh, album cover. I recognise it because... I've seen it enough yep. times, but doesn't say anything. I, I get it's keep the faith. It's it's all in together. We all believe if we all stay together, mm. we're all good. That sort of thing. I get it. It's a bit of a fucking dull cover. Yeah, it is. That's me. You know, I mean, but and you know, I think uh, "Slippery and Wet" is a very recognisable album cover, mm-hmm. uh, as is "New Jersey." So this right. is you know, climb down there, but it certainly does. It reflects the new grown-up band. Yeah, it, it sets its stall out well. Okay, yeah. so first track on this record is called. Uh, it's called "I Believe," right? And uh, there's a big long intro on this uh, for no g- fucking track ones with a big long intro. 
some. Well, yeah. I, mm. look, right, no, talking about track ones with big long intros, yes. one of the best uh, track ones with a big long intro of all time is Lay Your Hands on Me. It's got that massive. That's fair enough, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, all right. Well, we've got the same sort of similar sort of thing to go on for here. But yeah, so this is called I Believe. Okay, that's not a classic riff by any means. No, but it's not terrible. Mate. There's John. Uh, this was the fifth single they released off this album. Mm-hmm. Uh, it got to number 11 in the UK, but didn't chart in the US at all. There's a, a Wikipedia entry that someone's made for this song. Yeah. It says, uh, The song starts with fading in distorted noises generated by guitars and John Bon Jovi's voice until a furious guitar takes place. After the instrumental intro, the voice enters into scene. This song fits the classical hard rock structure. Intro, verse, bridge, chorus, first, bridge, chorus, solo, second bridge, and chorus to end. Like, I mean, all right, there you go. That's, that is a fair exactly description. what it is. Yeah, look, to me, this is a big, open rock song. Yep. It's got a couple of big sing-along moments. Yes, yes, it does. No surprises, quite by the numbers. Very heavily produced. Uh-huh. Uh, it's quite earnest in its lyrics. Sure. Which makes up, which I think earnest and grown up are interchangeable words for this record. That's, okay. Well, yeah, they're they're definitely going for both. Uh, like musically, I, I I quite like the little drum pattern that sits underneath the guitar solo. Okay, sure. That's the bit I like. Okay. Uh, I don't don't think this song is awful in any way, but I do think it's very generic. Sure. Yeah. This. You're right. It sounds like. Many other kind of 80s, late 80s, early 90s rock songs. It sounds to me like they're trying to channel 80s U2 and Bruce Springsteen. Yes. In, in, in this. U2 is a very good reference point that I hadn't made. Right. And now you've I, said I, it. I think yes. that, that late 80s U2 sound. Yeah, that rattle and hum sound. Precisely. That's where they. And even his, his, his scream, like, yeah! Sounds a bit like Bono that, to me. That, that, so- that sound that they had very, very notably and conspicuously completely moved away from mm. for their release of this year or last year. Well, indeed. Was year, which was uh, 90, 91, 91, 91 was that yeah. thing, baby, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, you're entirely right. Uh, but Bon Jovi seems to be going down that, that path. I get it. And I don't think this is terrible. I think it's a serviceable riff. It's a, uh, like you say. There's a couple of bits where I'm like, yeah, I would, I would shout along to this if I was yeah. in a field. Um, I think it's it's all right. I I think it's the fifth single off an album. Yeah, you know, it's not, it's not the opening track to an album. I don't think necessarily. It, it could there could be better ones. Um, I tell you what, it sounds like to yep. me. It sounds like um, like a, a band covering Simple Minds, mm. but the singer was really into like T Rex. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I hear Mark Bolin in there. Well, not, not T-Rex. I guess what I'm reaching for is an overly theatrical kind of uh, overblown rock voice. Well, that's what Bon Jovi does, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I, he does it well. You know, when he's doing that sort of a song in the 80s, perfect, absolutely spot on. Maybe this is a bridge between what they, what they were doing and what they're going for. Yeah. Perhaps it's that. Um, I think this doesn't need to be six minutes long. I think it's too long for what it is. Without a doubt. Um I think that there are some really nice kind of call and response woes at the end. That whoa, whoa, whoa. That that works well for me as a yeah, just classic generic rock song. Yeah, um, I'm into that. Totally fine. I don't have a problem with this song. I think it's absolutely fine. And I'm I was surprised to get into this album and go, oh, this isn't as god awful as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Straight away, I thought I was just going to be like, oh Christ, fucking what? 
and this was okay. Okay, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of with it. There's, there's, there's nothing really to hate. There's not no. really much to love. No, there's not. It's I will, a solid no. six out of ten, seven it's, out of ten, exactly. uh, six and a half. I, I get, it's a solid six. Um, it reminds me of, as well as the U2, and, and, but definitely some Springsteen in there, and definitely some Brian Adams. You know, I was reminded throughout this album of that Brian Adams album with, that yeah. we did mm-hmm. um, in the previous series, season, vocally and sound-wise. And it's it's not they're not produced by the same person, you know. That was Mutt Lang did yeah. Branhams, and this is Bob Rock. Bob Rock. So Bob Rock, we last saw Bob Rock on this podcast doing the Metallica album. Yeah, indeed. Obviously, Bob Rock was very successful with uh, Motley Crue, and yeah, uh, and the production here seems to fall. I don't know, somewhere in the middle of that, I guess. Well, yeah, he, he, definitely. Bob Rock. He'd also done that Share album that we did, that yeah. I've heard so, which is obviously a very standard soft rock sort of thing. Um, the Metallica album showed that he could produce a harder rock song when that's what was desired, but he's more than happy in this middle-of-the-road territory. And it sounds... It's produced very well. It sounds clean, and it sounds like what they wanted to do. I think it's overproduced. Oh, right, yeah. Well, is it overproduced, or is it what it... One of the problems that stops it being something that I particularly enjoy is how overproduced it is, okay. in contrast to... Other things that were being released at the time, the other stuff that you were into, yeah. And in yeah. retrospect, you know, it's it... no, you're, you're right. It doesn't sound. It, he's not trying to give them kind of even a sound garden vibe. It's nothing like that or uh, Nirvana. But I think that it wouldn't work. I think it has to be this very clean, crisp production. Yeah. I think it has to be for, for for a Bon Jovi album. Yeah. The interesting thing is, you know, when New Jersey came out, it felt like music that was aimed at me as mm-hmm. a kid. Mm-hmm. When this came out, it felt like it was for people that were older than me. For your dad. Yeah. 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 Well, not my dad. Well, not your dad. But no, you're. I think you're absolutely right. Um, they do, there does seem to be a, they've skipped a bit. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. All right. So let's do track two. Right. Okay. This was the lead single. Yes. Uh, Keep the, faith. First single released in October '92. Um, and yeah, it got to number five as a single, and I do remember this. I absolutely well, do. Interesting point about this. This is the first time they had a title track. On an album. Oh, nice. Yeah. Five, right, okay. Oh, bit of bass line. Bit of funky bass line. Hey, here's a slow, slow build from... Sounds like EMF. Oh, yes! <laughs> Interesting. The first song was called I Believe as well. There you go. Oh, yeah! Here we go. Overblown Bon Jovi voice. Yeah. But it's sitting quite nicely there. Oh, yeah, it's, it's keeping the drama on the keys. Uh huh. Bridge build coming in now. Come on, I <laughs> quite like that. Oh, his voice works really well on this. Oh, yep, yep. There we are. in the bridge. Now, I, this, whenever I was playing this, I really, really remembered this from the time because this, this must have been on the radio a lot. Yeah, I remember not liking this at the time, but. Yeah. That little faith at the start, man. <laughs> that gets me. This chorus is great. It's an absolute stomper. Yeah. Absolute yeah, stomper. This is a wicked song. Um, I also remember not liking this at the time, yeah. but I think I did. 
I think I was just determined not to. Yeah, you I might think. be right. No, no, I wasn't determined not to. Oh, I was. This, this wasn't. This wasn't enough for me. I yeah. needed a bit more. Okay. And it uh, wasn't enough. But now I go back to it and I listen to it fondly. Yeah. And yeah. I think that chorus is a fucking stomper. There's a bit that sounds like I had the tiger that comes into it later. <laughs> oh, nice. There's a sp- <laughs> spoken word bit which is unforgivably turgid. Oh, the, the spoken word bit shouldn't happen. No, yep. absolutely not. But look, I like this song. If it came on while I was driving, I would properly fucking partridge it and turn it right the fuck up. <laughs> lovely right? stuff. Uh, and lo- literally lovely stuff. Lovely stuff there lovely. from Sambora and company. <laughs> um, what The only thing I would say, because I really like the Baseline as well yeah. and the drum beat is like a breakbeat drum rather than just a standard four-four rock thing. Mm-hmm. It is sounding like there's more of a shuffle to it, more of a groove. Yeah, um, you know, sample that bit, sample that bass and drums. You've got yourself a nice bed for something else. Tico Taurus was always a pretty good drummer, to oh, be fair. Yeah, for, sure, it doesn't. I guess they never. Uh, did this style that much but whatever they're doing I like this well, like, no, to go back to the, that bit I said I liked in uh, I Believe when yeah. the solo's happening it's almost like a kind of a compound role, oh, okay. you know? it's, it almost sounds like you know like the beat from Midlife Crisis right right Right. there's some nice bits of drumming on this um, oh sure and yeah I mean in terms of in terms of where I'm at if the whole album was pitched like Keep the Faith, yeah. we'd have a really good album on our It'd be hands. a lot more fun. Yeah. yeah. It'd be a fun party album. Yeah. In, in the same vein as previous ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Um, I think that there's a great guitar solo in this. You know, that uh, there is a guitar solo in, I believe, but it wasn't as balls out as the one in this. Right. And it's a lot of fucking going mm-hmm. on. It's great, great going on. Um, this is also the first song on this album that we see that is a co-written one with a guy called Desmond Child. Yeah. Who... Uh, is a big songwriter for hire type person, mm-hmm. and he has worked with uh, Bon Jovi since their Slippery When Wet album. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got credits on uh, the big ones like Living on a Prayer, You Give Love a Bad Name, Bad Medicine. He's co-written mm-hmm. all of those. Um, some of his other big songwriting credits are Kiss, I Was Made for Loving You. He did all of Alice Cooper's Trash, um, uh, including Poison. He wrote Poison. Aerosmith, Crazy and Do Looks Like a Lady. Cher, Just Like Jesse James. Michael Bolton, How Can We Be Lovers. And Cisco's Thong Song and Ricky Martin's Limited Vida Loca. Nice. Indeed. So, nice. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good back catalogue. That's a great back catalogue. What I would love, I would love it if he was like like a really huge dude, right? <laughs> right. And his nickname was Tiny. <laughs> Do you know what? Because then he'd be Des Tiny Child. <laughs> Oh my God, Jesus Christ! Oh, that's awful. That's just, just for you and me, that one. That, I uh, yeah, that, oh, um, no one else in the world will possibly like that. Shit joke of the week. week. <laughs> right, um. Um, also, when I was looking into to his writing credits, right, like this, he wrote a song in 1986 for Bonnie Tyler uh, called "If You Were a Woman and I Was a Man." Okay, and it was on her album uh, in that year and was released as a single, but it didn't perform very well as a single. Right. He apparently was a bit annoyed that it didn't perform as well as a single. And so, whenever he went to write for Bon Jovi in the same year, and for an album that was released the same year, he just basically did it again to see if it would work. This, here's the Bonnie Tyler one, right? If you were a woman and I was a man, would it be so hard to understand? Oh my God. It's just the same song. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same song. He just, wow. he just he just wrote a different one with the same tune to see if he could make it a better single. Yeah, so there you go. That's the Bonnie Tyler one. I had never heard that before in my life. No. But apparently, yeah, he just went, oh, fuck it, let's try this again. And like, You Can Love a Bad Name is a fucking oh, tune. What a song, oh, exactly. Like absolute blockbuster of a tune, that yeah. is. And the only thing I find out about this song, because you just said it sounds a bit like EMF, there was a remix done of this that was never released. Right. Um, 
by Jesus Jones. No. Yeah, Jesus Jones. I think it must have been a case. Friends of the show. Indeed. It must have been a case where uh, they were contacted by the record, by Mercury. Mercury have gone, all right, Bon Jovi returning. The landscape's changed. We need to, you know, get something. What what are the kids like these days? I'll get Jesus Jones to do a remix. Brilliant. And there's a blog post by Ian Baker from the band who writes all about this, going, I know it was ever released. This is what happened. We basically, we did it in our kitchen in Kilburn. We, we sampled some stuff off, like uh, an old hip-hop track, chucked it back to them. They went, nah, we're all right, thanks. Hard pass. But uh, it's, it, you know, it's it's obviously, it's on YouTube and stuff like yeah. this. Um, it doesn't sound a million miles away from the original. What they've done is they have chucked on an extra breakbeat yeah. and they put in some squelchy keyboard noises. And I can... And there you go. And they've put that effect on that vocal. Ah. Oh, is, or is, that, is, that an, or is that a new vocal? No, I think that's an effect. I think that is... That's John Bon Jovi, but it sounds like Jesus Jones yeah. right now, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, this exists, but has never been actually released. But it's, it's one of those things like, oh, that sounds like an interesting... That might work. It doesn't it's sound. It, it never in, in my mind sounds like it's something that might work it, to me. No, there's an A and R guy at Mercury who they just had too much cocaine that day. Yeah, yeah. That is a, that, <laughs> hey, these guys are kind of the same. Yeah. Hey, and we've got this uh, new, hey, got this new Nirvana song. We set it out to be remixed. Who by? Oh, um, two unlimited. Bob Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, but okay, so track two, keep the faith. The first single, and. I think that's wicked. I think that's a yeah. really good tune. Yeah. Again, I suspect I would prefer the single version because this is nearly six minutes and the, yeah. there's a four and a half minute radio edit. That's going to be tight and fucking, there you go. And hopefully they got rid of the spoken word bit. They probably haven't. I, I doubt they have. No, I, that, that I, I is definitely a mistake. I, I think he thinks that's good. Oh, I bet, I think I've read somewhere that when they do it live, he, he does a different spoken word bit each time about, you know, what's going on in the world or something like this. Oh God, that's yeah, a bad idea. I know, but... Mm. Okay, well, yeah, winner for me, that one. Track number two. Yeah, okay, let's go on to track number three, I'll Sleep When I'm Dead, which I remember being a single. You're absolutely right. It was the fourth single. Uh, got to number 17. Mm-hmm. So we've got this blues kind of stomp. Yes. Wait, this sounds like... Uh, something like Jack and Diane, John Cougar Mellencamp yeah. kind of thing. That Hey, Hey, Hey mm-hmm. is pretty much where they lost me. Oh, really, yeah. yeah. I think that's good. We're, we're firmly in Brian Adams' territory here. Oh, I've got Brian Adams straight up yeah. in my notes here. Real flashbacks. To, from the guitar sound and the, the sort of chart, chart rock vibe is Brian Adams all yeah. over. Yeah. This is... Boogie boogie. This is a big kind of uh, electric guitar stadium hairspray band trying to sound like uh, a roadhouse honky-tonk band. Yeah, um, it's the Georgia Satellites. It's... Um, Choir boys. This chorus, man, it's so on the nose. It's so <laughs> Route One. I, I, I really don't. look, man. In in the parlance of the kids, uh-huh. this song is dead, fam. Is <laughs> it dead? <laughs> I uh, hate this song, man. I hate this song. I don't, I don't like this. I don't all. hate it at all. I oh, think I, I think this is total generic middle of the road boogie boogie rock blues. Um, 
I can't say I hate it because the chorus, I, I can tell that's catchy. That is... Oh, I hate it. I really just, hate the way that chorus It's a chart rock song to me. I, I get it, but um, yeah. I mean, I, I must admit as well that, you know, the whole kind of boogie-woogie piano, like anything that anything that Jules Holland might do... Uh-huh. Is kind of, it, it, mm. it exists in that dead space of like non music for me. Fine. A lot of the time, unless it's being done by a genuine fucking honky tonk band, like, you know. In New Orleans. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, I think this is all right. It's got a, a throwback quality. They're trying to make it sound like the stuff they had fun with growing up in their youth, that sort of stuff. I don't mind it. I will never, ever listen to it again. It's total middle of the road. I hate this song. Fine. Well, don't worry. I'm not going to be arguing for this one to go okay. on the playlist. That's that's not right. my, my deal on this. Uh, on to number four, then. In These Arms. Oh, I can smell a corporate rock ballad incoming. Not quite. This was the third single. Uh, got to number nine. And it is. This is the first ballad that we're encountering so far. I've got nothing against a rock ballad, you know that. I know, me I love a good rock ballad. Like I said, Wanted Dead or Alive. That's a, a good slow Bon Jovi song. Not necessarily a ballad. Blaze of Glory is, though. But if you're, you know, if you're framing this against uh, an interview where he says, we've thrown out all the cliches, mm-hmm. and then you've got a lyric that goes, look in these eyes, they burn with fire. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It's like, I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. This is bad. Look, the, the chorus is terrible, but it's catchy. Right? Again, very catchy. It's, it's an earworm, right? But the yes. thing is, if you had a worm in your ear, what you'd do is you'd pull it out, you'd burn it alive. And that's what you should do with this song. Isn't that uh, one of the Star Trek films? Probably, yeah. yeah. Probably, yeah. right? Look, man, I've eaten cheese boards that are less cheesy than this. <laughs> Yeah, and they're 100% cheese, but the biscuits take it down a level. Oh, God, okay. You know, this, uh-huh. is, this, is, this song is a very clear reason why grunge had to happen. This is, sure. you know, it's, it's a song full of pointless trite superlatives. It's not fun enough to be cheesily enjoyable. This is a song that is pretty much, it feels like it was written to be featured in the X Factor Rock Week. Oh, God. Oh, it's definitely up there with that yeah. sort of stuff. This, yeah. is, this is that kind of rock where... You know, I love a good pop song and I love a good rock song, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I love a good pop rock song when mm-hmm. they mix well. But it's so easy to just go, oh, this is something that belongs to be on a Fergie album. Right. You know, yeah. that, You know, it's uh, it, it's just not good in any way. I, it, it feels like the type of song that deserves to make a genre need to die. Oh, I see. Oh, wow, you really are against it. I don't like this at all. Ah. And, and what I what I like about this song least is the fact that I have to admit that the chorus gets its hooks into me. Oh, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's a kind of emotional manipulation on a key with the film Titanic by James Cameron. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know it's coming. You can see it happening as it's happening. Exa- like, exactly. All right, yeah, you got me on uh, this. Oh, you fucker, and now You've I'm crying. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Um, I can't deny that I am okay with this as well. Oh, I mate. really am. I, I, the fact that it is so catchy in the chorus when it steps it up into the the big sing along bit, mm. I like. Okay, yeah, I'm in. I'm into this. I That's am okay. very surprised that you're giving this song a pass. 
Oh, no, I, I would not, totally I would fine not, with not pitch that, man. Totally no. fine with this. Oh, I am not. I am not fine with this at yep. all. I put this musically and lyrically on a par with those really turgid 90s R&B love songs, you know, oh, where God, it's just Drew like... Kind of, yeah, like fucking men singing about emotions they've never really experienced, you know? Yeah. that. I, look, I, I just... I find no separation between that and this. Yeah. this. This just feels like nothing but a cynical cash grab. I can't argue with that because it, it's hitting all the buttons in the right order to yeah. do exactly what it does. But... I'm all right with that. Um, it's, it's, I guess it's the way that things hit you, man. And yeah. I've, I have taken against this song I, I, uh, dearly. There's some lines in it that because it's about it's a post breakup song. It's like he's lamenting what he once had with with whatever woman he's talking about, and she's now gone. But there's a line in there: "Your clothes are still scattered all over our room. The whole place still smells like your cheap perfume." Well, mate, you're not painting her in the best of lights. No, here. she and, sounds like a bit of a tramp. And mate, you're a you're a multi-millionaire, mate. If she was wearing if if yeah. she was wearing cheap perfume, that's kind of on you. Well, so absolutely. I've I've said that that sounds like somebody Joe Elliott would be after. Yeah, uh, that does not sound like a John Bon Jovi lady. Yeah, exactly. And you know, uh, and let's not shame her for a cheap perfume either. Not let's... at all. Not at all. But. I'm afraid John Bon Jovi's better than you at that point. Well, I'm I'm not sure. I suspect he wears a, a particular musk. Oh, gee. I, bet, I, I, I bet at this point he's... Ranch. I, I at this point, yeah, ranch. <laughs> Trucker. Harley Davidson. Yeah. I, like, yeah, leather pouch. <laughs> what cologne are you wearing? Biker's balls. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um... Okay, well there you go. Four songs, all four of them singles as well. We are yeah. they, they've properly front loaded this album with singles. Right in Europe, they were there were six, six singles in Europe, two uh, two fewer in America. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so there were six in total uh, in in the UK. All six were released in the UK. Um, only four in America, but yeah, the first four all singles and yeah. all top twenty as well in the UK. Okay, well that, that's the first four, and we've got twelve songs on here. So shall we uh, take a break and do the albums? Yeah, let's do that. But th- let's hold the thought that we've just had a bad ballad for track four. Right. So yeah, top ten uh, this week is the week of November eighth to the fourteenth, and there's not an awful lot to be excited about at all. Uh, number ten is Lionel Richie's "Back to Front," which nice. we've seen many times. Number nine is Neil Young's "Harvest Moon," mm-hmm. which a lot of people. You know, when they're looking at their best of '92, a lot of people put that up there. The Neil Young. Album. Yeah, I've never really listened to it. If I'm honest, I've I'm... not listened to that one. I've listened to some Neil Young and didn't get on with it. Okay, so I've not tried that. One. I mean, I you know, uh, I know people who are enormous Neil Young fans. Absolutely. Like, oh, I think if you're a Neil Young fan, you can't really just be a halfway fan. Yeah, he's got fervent fan base. Absolutely, really. people. There are there are people that I think that listen to mainly Neil Young. Uh, number eight is REM's Automatic. The people which we've done. Number seven is Madonna's. Erotica, which we discussed briefly yeah. before. Uh, number six, Gloria Estefan's Greatest Hits. Don't care. No, I think there would be, let's say there's 14 songs on that. I reckon there's two of them are fucking great fun. And then there's 12 that I would go, this is turgid filler. I don't think I ever really got Miami Sound Machine. They all sounded like that, didn't they? Oh, you're so racist. Yeah. Uh, number that f- wasn't being racist. That was being anti <laughs> samba Yeah, true. Uh, number five is Abba Gold. Which has just been in the charts forever and ever. Uh, and I'd like to reiterate at this point how much I fucking hate ABBA. Dave hates ABBA. Hates mm. them. Uh, number four, Chris Rhea with God's Great Banana Skin. 
And there's a shit album title. If what the fuck? Yeah. I don't. I don't think I. Even, I'm amazed that I don't know that that exists. Oh, I've, I've, I remember. I don't remember it coming out because, or, or I don't remember being any way aware of it more than hearing that title and going, "That's a fucking ridiculous title." But yeah, terrible. That's fucking ridiculous. It's the sort of thing that if if there was a quiz, right, and it was a multiple choice, what was the 1992 Chris Rea album called? And you had three other even more stupid titles possible. I still wouldn't guess that one. No, because you go, no, it can't be, it can't possibly be. Uh, number three, Michael Bolton, Timeless. Number two, Simple Minds, Glittering Prize. So again, we're into best of territory because best we are absolutely ramping up towards Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some other, other albums released <laughs> this time period, though. Don't you forget about me when you're writing a Christmas list. Oh, I see. Simple Minds. Hey, when you're writing your Christmas <laughs> list, don't you forget about me. Glittering Prize, available, fifteen ninety nine. <laughs> HMV. Don't you forget about me, guys. Oh, I should have been in marketing. At this point, I wish you were, right now, <laughs> somewhere else. Marketing in Switzerland. <laughs> yeah. uh, other albums in this time period. And I've taken the time period of November 8th right up to the end of the year, up yep. to the end of 92, because there's nothing else. Sure. Right, so this is the, the last bit of 1992. Um, Therapy released Nurse. Uh, only got to number 38. It yep. was their first major label release. Mm-hmm. I remember it coming out very well. It's the one that Teeth Grinder was the first single Sure, from. we were talking about that talking last about week. That. And oh, two weeks ago. It, we, uh, we saw at the very, very start of this year, Therapy released their second mini album, Pleasure Death. Yeah. Um, but And so they are already into their first main album. So they've, they've gone, you know, straight from small indie indie to, okay, A&M. Big uh, push on this one. Sure. I really wanted to fucking like it. I bought it on day of release. I wanted, I, I liked Teeth Grinder, but it was more me wanting to like Teeth Grinder. Yeah. And I didn't get on with the rest of the album, I must admit. Fair enough. It was not for me. Um, Ice Cube released The Predator. Yeah. Got to number 73 only. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, another big one for him. I had that album very soon after release. Did you? And yeah, I mean, well, actually, no, do you know what? No, I, I didn't have it very soon after release. I had it. Uh, I went to America in May of the next year. Oh, actually, okay, sure. And uh, they were playing a load of the tracks off of that. Right. And so I picked that up as soon as I could. I see. It's uh, wicked. Was the single off? Wicked. Wicked's a brilliant single. Covered by Corn, uh, featuring yes. uh, Chino from the Deftones on the second Corn album. I did was Chino on that. Yes, yeah, Chino's vocal. Oh, good lord! Didn't realize that. Uh, but the Predator, I. Remember enjoying it. I didn't enjoy it as much as his previous ones, and it, for me, nothing else after that was anywhere close. I think Predator is the best Ice Cube album. All right, I think, yeah, we've had this discussion mm. I think, before. I would say, I mean, I would probably say Kill at Will if I'm allowed that, but I would definitely say Death Certificate is better than the Predator for me. Mm, I don't think it is, right. but that's you know, no, I, I like them both. So. Yeah, fine. Uh, Nirvana released Incesticide. Yeah, uh, the B sides and rarities thing, which was obviously the kind of stopgap that the record label put Do you out. The weird thing about Incesticide mm. is I never really had it. No, no. Like, so, yeah, bizarre. I mean, I've, I've I've listened to it since, but mm. I don't really understand why because I I abs- it's just one of those fucking fell through the gaps things. Oh, see. But I absolutely obviously hammered. Never mind. Yeah, uh, absolutely hammered in utero when yeah. it came out. Uh, but like incestus, I never, I never. I mean, you know, obviously, like Molly's lips and some of those tracks sure, that yeah, were yeah. getting played a like, lot, I knew really, really well. But I never kind of delved into the record in the same way. Okay, but, but like if you put it on now, I know all of it. Oh, but... you would absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I did. I bought it straight away because I was real. I was such a huge the thing mega is, fan well, at that time when you were, you know, in sixteen, seventeen, and you kind of kind of getting your social life and you're hanging around at house parties and you're around mm-hmm. people some of your mates you know, like some of our mates started to have their own house and stuff like mm-hmm. this at that time 
you know, you just you didn't need to have every record because you would hear them all the fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, in terms of the kind of the tapes being passed around school, as soon as Nevermind came out and started to get the, the hype it did, there were some mates of mine who had older brothers who were much cooler than we were, who had, there was a, two at least tapes of Nirvana bootlegs that went round. Yeah. And I had both of those. Which obviously featured so much stuff that was on Incesticide. Sure. So I knew it from that too. It, but I, I guess that's why the record company was like, fuck it, let's put this out. It's out there anyway. Yeah. Let's make some money off it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's a good album. It's very, I think it's a very good album. Um, it's a good stopgap and it's a nice thing for fans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Biohazard released Urban Discipline. Nice. Yeah. I must have I I enjoy some Biohazard. Yeah. I can't take them seriously. I listened to Urban Discipline about a week ago. Fuck me, Dave. What the hell? I, I just, was just from not from out of nowhere. I was just in the mood. I, yeah. I it, basically what happened is I, <laughs> I, 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 I in my head I, I, t- I, I can actually tell you exactly what the thread was. Uh-huh. I was listening to songs that had stupid spoken word intros. Right? Okay. And I, I I don't know why. I was just sometimes my mind went in that direction. I was listening to a by uh by Lama God. Okay. Right. So I listened to that and I suddenly thought, oh punishment. Because uh-huh. it, start, it starts off with that uh, sample from that Dolphin Ungren Punisher movie. Right, sure. Uh and then I listened to that and then it just kind of kept playing. I went, oh, do you know what? I'm gonna yeah, do this whole fucking album. I mean I saw Biohazard at the Marquee on the Urban Discipline tour. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. So what would that be in about ninety three then? Yeah, supported by um supported by Clawfinger actually. Oh, who we've mentioned last time. Yeah, Cla- Clawfinger. Hell. Yeah. And fucking man, I saw one of the because at that time there was a real divide between uh, fans of hardcore mm. and fans of metal, and this band were really bringing the two uh, things together. Okay. And so I remember there was like there were a load of dudes at that show who were like basically dressed like Mike Muir, like in the fucking in like kind of the outfit of the day, mm. like you know big kind of baggy jeans and chain wallet with like the the baseball vests or the yeah, hockey yeah, yeah, vests, sure. you know, kind of the face piercings and stuff. Big fucking stocky dudes, and then there were a load of kind of more Gumby metalers, you know, with the big fucking okay and. So the things like stage diving and, uh, you know, kind of crowd surfing, which were coming out of the hardcore scene to a yes. certain degree, and people had very specific rules on. Now, the metal kids were picking up on that, and obviously there was some level of disconnect between... I, I was completely oblivious to it at the time. I but you were, cool you were too, I was too just, young and fresh. I remember this kid, like, long hair and big kind of combat boots, stage diving feet first a couple of times, into the crowd which is obviously which was obviously rankering with this particularly big guy with a bandana right yeah and i just remember seeing and i can't remember what song it was but about halfway through that this guy stage dived in and this guy just kind of came up with this uppercut and just caught this kid on the jaw and just knocked him cold clocked him oh no knocked him (laughs) fucking cold out and i was like you're not in canvas anymore son fuck you know at this point i don't like the big the smallest gig i'd been to at that point i think was like alice in chains at brixton academy which having only been to like big fucking arena shows until that point i was like oh this is tiny and then i was there and i was like what the fuck in the sweat box that was the old marquee yeah and see close enough to that you can just smell the violence. Yeah, yeah, I remember buying a pair of Biohazard jams. Like, jams. Do you remember jams? They no. were like they were, they were like tracksuit bottom shorts. Is that what they're called? Printed, and they were called jams. I didn't yeah, know they were called that. That 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 dates it because wow. like, when was the last time you saw a set of jams on a merch desk? Yeah, fuck man. me. No, I loved Biohazard back in the day, man. Wow. Well, there you go. The Urban Discipline was released uh, November, I think it was, nineteen ninety two. Sweet. Which is a lot earlier than I, th- I would have said. If you'd asked me, I would have gone. 94? Uh, this nah, is... 94 was State of the World Address. Right, maybe that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
another one, Ween released Pure Guava. Nice. Which I, I remember at the time I had a tape of it and it was very silly. I suspect if I listen to it now, I'd be like, there's not enough music for me to be able to put up with this nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like their country album. Is that the, the Piss Up a Rope was on there? Yeah, yeah. Piss Up no, a Rope's yeah, fucking indeed. glorious. But yeah, I'm assuming this was the one that had Push Little Daisies, which is the, the MTV hit. Yeah, maybe. But I, yeah. I still like Push Little Daisies. That's all right, but I suspect I'd be like, I'm not having an album of this. Uh, the Far Side released Bizarre Ride to the Far Side. Brilliant record. Yeah, oh, the, absolutely. I didn't know it at the time at all, really. Oh. I, I think I got into it the year after after a mate played like Yamama and stuff like yeah. that to me. Um, terrific album. Love this record. Yeah. Um, was bought it at Christmas on vinyl by my girlfriend at nice. the time, 1994, that would have been, I think. Okay, right. Yeah, fucking Very love nice. that record, man. Right. Love it, love it, love it. Passing me by, man. I, like, oh, I remember seeing, seeing it on MTV once and just being like, fuck, I've got to get this guy. Yeah. Had the tape single of it. Just played it and Ooh. played it and played it till I could learn all the lyrics. Lovely. Still know all the lyrics of that song to this day. That, because uh, I've got the seven inch of that, that I think I picked up a couple of months after it's released. Didn't get it day one or anything. But I think that is one of my most, you know, in quotation marks, valuable uh, singles I, when I've got everything that I right. own listed on Discogs just so I know what it, it, it's worth I think that one is worth nearly 100 on 7 because it's in hell. fucking good condition wow that's yeah, great people are keen for that one I bet even if you had the cassette single still it would go for money ah oh, shit man I, yeah. it, all my cassette singles went I actually Farside I had um, I think it, did uh, your mama was a single wasn't it yeah I think I had that in cassette single Wow. Yeah. Uh, another one, Dr. Dre, The Chronic. I mean, yeah. I'm I not gonna. I'm not gonna say too much about this record right now. Enough. I don't think because fair enough. it might feature in my uh, in my top of the year. But <laughs> sure. this this was a a game changing record for me. I think. Do you, did you have it, or did you know of it at the time? This end of ninety two. I mean, I knew. I knew it was. I didn't have it at the end of ninety two. I had it early ninety three. Right. Fine. But it's all pretty much straight yeah. on it. I mean, like right. as, soon, as soon as I heard nothing but a G thing, I had to have this record. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was a big thing. I wasn't really aware of it at the time. I again, it was probably a few months later before I really. Yeah, paid any attention to it, uh, and the only other one that I've got, and it didn't actually chart in the UK or the US, which I was surprised to see. But the Goats released "Tricks of the Shade," um, yes, another indeed. big hip hop album for me, and I loved that. I really fucking got into that one. I see. I can't believe it. I came to the Goats on "No Goats No Glory." Oh, I see. Okay, and so this by is the that next time, album. fucking "Tricks of the Shade" was deleted. "Tricks of the Shade" yeah. was deleted for a long time. I, I, yeah. I don't know if it still is. I think it's still deleted. To be honest, yeah, yeah I, I think it is. Uh, I don't, I don't know why that is. It, it, I would imagine there must be a sample issue with it or something. Very likely, yeah. But okay, so some really fucking good albums there. Some really big albums. A lot of hip hop. You got Ice Cube, uh, Farside, Dr. Dre, and the Goats. I mean, it, it's so weird. I mean, that, that, I mean, for me, those those, those are three records. That I think are. Uh, I mean, ex- excluding the Goats because I don't know it as well, but I sure. suspect I would really like it. I mean, I've heard it. Oh yeah, um, but, but I, I know not, no, not no, 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 no glory a lot better. Right. Um, but such a weird thing to do to sneak them into a December release schedule. I know. I think what that shows you more than anything is the UK did not know what to do with big hip hop releases. That's very possible. And did have and had no expectation of hip hop releases. I think that's definitely true. That you cannot release an album in December and expect it to chart high unless it's going to be fucking massive. And this is the thing I find strange like hip hop just was not the overground thing that I feel like it's being falsely remembered as. If we're looking at the end of 92 it wouldn't have been at that point. No. It would have been at least another year I'd say before it got properly mainstreamized. Exactly. Yeah. But no this end of 92 like you say three big hip hop acts hip hop albums 
just released into the fucking ether. Yeah. Like I say, Ice Cube only got to 73. And That's... you'd expect him to get top 50. Yeah. But no, not not if you're going to release it in the middle of, you know, Simple Minds, Michael Bolton, that sort of stuff. Sure. No, there you go. But yeah, good little uh, patch of releases there, I think. Patch of releases. Patch of releases. <laughs> Just words I'd use to describe your mattress. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> right. Okay. So let's get back into this album. Okay. And like I say, the hold the thought that the last track that we listened to, track number four, in these arms, big ballad. Well, what do you what do you want to hear after you've just heard a big ballad? Play track number five, Bed of Roses. An even bigger ballad. Oh, you like big ballads, huh? <laughs> you want another? Here's another. <laughs> this was the second single. Got to number thirteen, uh, and I guess the thinking was, all right, we've. Introduced them was a bit more cool with Keep the Faith. You know, they're a bit more hip. Thanks, Mercury. Here's a massive chart ballad. You could ballad. not escape this song. I remember watching, because at this time, probably the most MTV I ever watched in my life was around this period. Okay. Like my mate Darren's house. Yeah. You know, and you'd be watching and it'd be like fucking Soundgarden, Nirvana, and then all of a sudden this had come on. And yeah. this, this was a staple. This was on every hour. Okay, right. I, I don't really remember this from oh, the God, time. I Obviously, it. I knew it because it seeped in whatever way. I don't remember it in that sort I of way at a, all. I had a, a, a real seething 16-year-old's hatred for this song. Oh, I see. Like a yeah. real, like, I, I hate this song. I thought, okay, well, go back and I'll give it a chance. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and I, I don't hate it quite as much as I did, but I still hate it. Yeah. I still think this is terrible, yeah. I mean, first of all, the concept is flawed, right? Okay. I'll let you down in a bed of roses. Mm. Rose petals, fair enough. Roses, uh, that's going to lacerate your skin. That's true. And especially because he, he then uh, compares it to him having to lie on a bed of nails. A bed of nails would be easier to manage. Right. Okay. My stepdad did lie on a bed of nails. Okay, uh, sure part of his, his circus act. Well, there you go. Yeah. Did it puncture his skin? No, not like roses would have done. You're even, absolutely right. Even distribution of force. That's Precisely. Why. Mm. Um, look, this, this song obviously thinks it's much deeper and better than it is. Okay. Okay. This is him trying to be a grown-up, right? It's like it feels like he goes, oh, "I need to write my own November Rain." It's so November Rain. It's so November Rain, yeah. right? The, and, the, the guitar tone is straight out of November Rain. And, and the odd thing is, if you know, if you're Bon Jovi and you're going, well, "I need to write something cleverer and more grown-up," you know, like those guys in Guns and Roses <laughs> <Yeah>. are doing. <laughs> really? <laughs> Maybe you need to fucking broaden your thesaurus, my friend. Oh, right. Okay. You know, look. It's just, it's just so fucking ladled on, man. It's like, yeah. it's a love song about what an idiot thinks women want. Right. Yes. Uh, I, I feel a rebuttal coming on here, and I'm not uh, sure I'm here for it. A, a, a slight one. Um, I don't hate it. I absolutely don't hate it. I this is fine. Uh, another decent ballad. Um, I think it is. Total cheese. Obviously, it's total cheese. Um, that's what they do, and that's what he's done here. I think it's got a catchy chorus again. Um, I think in terms of the lyrics and the sentiment, it's ridiculous and rubbish. Of course it is. It's stupid. Now think of this song in these terms, right? right? Imagine it wasn't Bon Jovi singing it. Yep. Imagine it was Michael Bolton. Is it any different? Imagine it was poison, you know. Imagine this was the, the their every rose has its thorn follow up. It's along those lines. Uh, yeah, um, it, it it is. It, it sounds to me like 
the Guns N' Roses Poison Ballad stuff, which was happening at the time, and which I took very much against at the time. I sure. suspect if I did hear this back then, I blanked it because I thought, fuck this shit. It's mm-hmm. terrible. Going back to it now, though, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, this is, this, is, uh, this is a proper big ballad. And it is, this is like the big ballad on, on the album. Um, I don't necessarily want to hear any more than this, but I get that they've got one on the album. I just don't think this is a good... I've got, I've got nothing against a big rock ballad. Of course. Mate, you love November Rain. Yeah, I love November Rain. Yeah. I just don't think this is any fun. I think this is just turgid. It's fucking... Right. It's misjudged. It, it adds nothing to that conversation. I don't, I don't think that... Like, I, think, I don't think the central message in the song works mm-hmm. this whole kind of i want to lay you down on a bed of roses yep um you know and yeah you can accuse me of overthinking that but if that conceit doesn't work then that the rest of it doesn't and, I, and i'm I, obviously i'm being facetious about the rose yeah, thing we know but, what I, I, but what i'm saying i think it doesn't work in that i want to lay you down in a bed of roses. what, what are you talking about john I, because it's written from the point of view it, it, he ruled it when he was hung over in a hotel room missing his his lady friend the other side of the world because he's on tour uh he thinks about phoning her and he's missing her all the time and they can't be together for months on end it's that sort of thing and if i if we were together I'd love just to lay down better roses because I'm in this emotional pain not being with you. It's cheesy as shit, but I get it. It's totally but, fine. But the vocal is a twelve when it when an eight is required. But it's, it's, a, it's a ridiculous rock ballad. But it's a, for a ridiculous rock ballad to work. The humours have to be in alignment. Right. Everything has to balance out, and this to me, the vocal is out of whack with the level of passion in the in the chorus. Mm-hmm. It's not silly and fun enough to be fun it's not earnest enough to be i mean it was okay when you take it as as an incredibly overly earnest song it mm. doesn't achieve any kind of sincerity in the way that that you want it to yeah. so it's, it, it's stuck on that middle ground between earnestness and silliness and it's neither you see i think the earnestness is is where it needs to be for what it is i think it's an absolute stadium rock mor ballad okay well maybe maybe um my history with this is deeper ingrained than it Possible. needs to be and i can't overcome it but i am surprised that this song finds a defender even mm. a slight defender in you yeah yeah no i think this is all right um there's a line in the first verse that i thought at first you know because i've listened to this i don't know five or six times now and the first time i listened to this and was like what the fuck is he saying there it's like i wake up and french kiss the morning Terrible. Right. Uh, uh, that's exactly what I thought. Ah, he's, whoa, gee, what is you trying to say? But then I wondered, is it a euphemism for vomiting? Because it's about being hungover in a hotel after a party. Is it a French kiss? Like, bleh, but, but the bleh. line for it is, I wake up with an ironclad hand. Isn't yeah, it? Oh, yeah, but I wonder if that's like a... I don't know, being punched by her. I don't know. I, I, th- I think you're giving more thought to this than he did. Maybe so. Yeah, very possible. But I think this is... A pleasing rock ballad. Again, if I were watching them live and they played this, I'd have my lighter in the air and I would be singing along to the chorus. I'd have forgotten all of the verses because that's not the important bit, but I'd be singing along to the chorus. Oh, I don't like this chorus at all. I see. It's cheesy as shit, man, and I'm, I'm okay with it. Nope. You're right. Nope. 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 Oh, okay, okay. It's, I mean, it's cliched. It's all cliches, but... No, he's, it can't be because they've oh, got rid they've of all the cliches. Stepped away from that, they've, they? stepped, yeah. they've stepped away from the cliches. All right. Well, that's uh, that was... An, and again, like I said, that was another single. So we've had five singles in the yeah. first five songs now. Well, the next track, If I Was Your Mother, hmm. which sounds like a fucking Dr. Zeus book. <laughs> oh, yeah, this sounds more fun. Yeah. Oh, it's got a slow headband. It's going into it, mate. 
Bam, rocker. It sounds yeah. like. It, it sounds like Bob Rock has gone, okay, look, I just did the Black Album. It worked really well for them. Why don't we try something along those lines? And they're like, okay, I can do a big riff. Yeah. And then it's. Oh, hang on. What's happened oh, now? Yeah. Hmm. What, what's this? Is that violin? I think it's, yeah, exactly. It's got some strings behind it. So, the concept of this song is you're singing to a girl you like. Yep. If I was your mother, we could be closer. I know. It's right? not right. You do understand that you could be closer, but <laughs> any sex is too much sex <laughs> with your mother, right? You e- understand that, right? Even a slight hint. Yeah. Yeah. Like fingering out. Don't go, mate. Yeah. Can't have it. Out, though. Can't do that. First base, out. <laughs> French kiss the morning, not your mum. No. Right? Uh, right? It's creepy as shit. It, 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 it's so... It, it, it's... it's a fucking weird idea. It's creepy as fuck, right? And it's a weird sounding song. What's yeah. going on? You've got all this kind of Eddie Van Halen influenced fucking guitar running through it. Yeah. Right? And there, there's a nice guitar solo in this, I yeah, think. I mean, it, yeah. there is. Yeah. It's, it's just a fucking odd thing. It's all over the place. Yeah. And like I said, I think it sounds like Bob Rock has, has said, let's try this. You know, okay, you want to do something that is out of uh, your usual style you want to see what's going on in the world today hey listen to this black album it's fucking right this is big metallica made millions of pounds why don't we try one of these yeah and they wrote a riff at the start and had that boom that drum beat yeah. coming in but they couldn't keep it up they couldn't yeah. I, couldn't do that all the way i, I like that heavy i was like okay this sounds this sounds good okay well, oh it's done this yeah. oh yeah no it's like they, they they decided okay well we're going to bon jovi this up a bit and say oh mate don't bon jovi this one yeah. Keep this one as as a hard rocker, but they couldn't do it. This song is like when you're swapping stories with with your mates, and there's a big circle, and you're all telling these stories, and then all of a sudden someone comes in with a song, the story that is not okay, and then I shit in her mouth. <laughs> yeah, oh my god! You did what? <laughs> and then I fucked the camel. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then she wouldn't get out of my bed, so I had a piss on her. <laughs> oh Jesus! One one of the, the main lines in here, right? When love is blood, you're never on trial. It don't get deeper than a mother and child. Oh, baby, I gotta get that close to you. Please don't say that out loud. What do you want to do, breastfeeder? Imagine the amount of people this idea had to go through. Had to go th- right. John Bon Jovi had to think of it. Mm-hmm. He had to uh, propose it to the rest of the band. Yeah. He had to get it past Bob Rock on production. He then had to get it past the label. And it still got put on an album. Look, man, I've got a ten-week-old child downstairs, yep. and I am observing the bond between mother and child, yep, and yep. it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I love it, but I tell you what, it isn't mm. arousing. <laughs> what it is is the it's the opposite of that. Uh-huh. It's like uh, you're like, oh yeah, this is a beautiful thing that I'm going to observe, and I'm not getting laid for months, mm. right? And that's how it goes. And it's that's a contraceptive, yeah, and that's. Absolutely fine because I would never go. Oh, do you know what? I really want to be like your mum. Can you imagine saying that to a girl? No. If I was your mother, exactly. I I wish that we could be closer and more as one. If I was your mum, we would be really fucking hot. Bizarre. I think that one is dreadful. Thumbs down. Absolutely dreadful. Yeah. Um, On to number seven then. Dry County. And this was the last single that got released. Uh, it got to number nine, so it still made top ten in the UK, uh, but it wasn't until March 1994. So it was, it was like 
a full year and a half. And, and this is the song that is most often held up as exam as an example of the the, the grown up maturity of sure. this record. Yeah. Okay. And you know, I remember there being a lot of talk around Gumby's at the time. Oh, yeah, it's really grown up. But mm. you know, in the same way, that Civil War was considered a grown up song for okay. Guns and Roses, right? For sure. But I'll be honest. I think this is quite a nice song. It's nice. Yeah, it, it's it's quite, nice. it's it's in that camp of like. Remember when we talked about uh, Phil Collins talking about issues? Oh yes. It's in that kind of thing where it's a kind of an observer's and it's a yeah. storytelling and it's a narrative. It, it's, it's a story one. This yes, you know. But it's you know it's about a, a man who's moved to a town chasing an oil rush, uh-huh. but the oil's dried up, the money's gone. Yeah. You know, he's facing trying to work out how to survive, going across the county lines because he's in a dry county. Which uh-huh. is the song to to drink and forget about his problems, and it's yeah, it, it's a it's a in that you talked about uh, you talked about. Bruce Springsteen earlier, very much in that wheelhouse of blue collar yes. kind of industrial collapse. Working man, the working man yes. done wrong. Yeah, I, I I have the Bruce Springsteen note in mind as yeah. well. It's along those lines. I, I think in terms of songs trying to be more grown up, it's more successful mm-hmm. than some of the other ones. Okay. Um, there's some tonal issues. I think the, the guitar solo that comes in seems very much out of place to the rest of the kind of somber edge of the of the song. It's quite an upbeat kind of happy solo. In a well, lot but there's, there's a couple. There's like the first guitar solo, which sounds to me like, all right, this is. Uh, it took me by surprise that the first one was going, oh, okay, this guitar solo is a bit more kind of chugging and serious. But then later on, because this is a 10-minute song. Well, it doesn't need to be 10 Oh, it absolutely doesn't. But later on, there is a second guitar solo, which is an even bigger, real galloping along I think that's song. the one I'm talking right. about. Right, and it, yeah. it is. It's a proper boom, 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 pounding guitar solo. But, you know, it, it, this sounds quite a bit like some of the stuff on Blaze of Glory, the album. It definitely does, yes. Um, yeah. Look, again, like with all of these things, like the, the, the you know, Bon Jovi is... Uh, an earnest songwriter, mm-hmm. right? Uh, when he tries to be serious, mm-hmm. but, you know, and he displaces grown up and, and earnest uh, across the thing, right? You know, fine. and that's fine, you know. And I, I, that's why I think he's he's better when he's a fun songwriter in, okay. in his younger days. Right? Yeah. Sort of thing. So it, it's, it, it can be a little bit hard to take some of the cliche that exists in this seriously. But if you can remove yourself from that and stop being a cynical dick about it, it's it's not a bad song. I think it's a good song. I think it's, uh, and it sounds big and open, like yes, it what does. he's trying to describe. Um, it's. I think it worked well as that. I think it's comically overwrought because, yes. like you say, it is so earnest that you feel it pinching you. Yeah. What I was seeing in my head when I was listening to this a little bit, like the, the cynical dick of me, yeah. was like, you know, in Zoolander where... Ben Stiller is like kind of like trying to be a, a minor, and he's, oh, right, like, sure. and he's like doing all of his kind of <laughs> yeah. advert moves, right? And the faces, you know, it's kind of a little bit like that. You know, they're in the bar at the end, and he's there being a male model around his his blue, uh-huh. you know, blue, blue collar mates. Yeah, well, but, you can almost picture. I, I um, there presumably was a video for this. I've not seen it, but I betcha it is a lot of um sort of sepia toned big landscapes um a, a rugged guy in a flannel shirt looking worried because his job is on the line yeah I, almost, I, i've never seen it either i'm almost willing to bet there is at some point a derrick like a, like an oil derrick oh yeah not a derrick zoolander yeah. <laughs> but a, a derrick that's that, that's kind of shut down and right, not working sure. anymore yeah, yeah. There's, prob- there's probably a, a scene of of some guys being laid off walking away with their last paycheck yeah walking down 
in a road of boarded up shops. Yeah. Maybe a guy throws his hard hat on the floor in disgust. <laughs> yes. This is exactly what I'm picturing. Yeah. It is so ridiculously on the nose. Oh, for real, uh, mate. I mean, this it's, is, it's, you know. It... The only th- other thing is I've got on this one really are, it's the longest song of their career. Like I say, it's nearly yeah. 10 minutes long. It doesn't, it shouldn't be. I think, here's a fucking concession. They could have made a seven minute song out of this. That's still a long song. Yeah. They could have made it that. Um, there's hints of like Bruce Hornsby at the start and that piano bit. Yeah. I think it sounds a little bit like some of the heart ballads around the same time. Yeah. But I think it's, it's okay. I'm not going to be fighting for this one at the end. No. Uh, but yeah, okay. It's all right. If you had a whole album of this, would I be oh, that into God, it? No. I wouldn't Absolutely know. not. No, 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 no. But, you know, but at least you'd have a tonal piece. Well, you know what you're getting. Mm. Anyway, so they follow this up, this the kind of their serious 10-minute opus with mm-hmm. a song called Woman in Love. Okay, so we're hearing this right. kind of bluesy rock and roll stomp. Mm-hmm. Okay, that first lyric is call it social commentary. <laughs> I will not. No, sir. <laughs> you can't tell me what to do. Fuck you. I won't do what you tell me. No, look, this is this is a song <laughs> wherein Bon Jovi describes women to you. Oh, but he describes a very specific subset of rock chicks. Yeah, uh, yeah, women that he's encountered in backstage areas, which. Is probably the majority of where he's been. <laughs> yeah, true. And probably the majority of women in America that might have been through Bon Jovi backstage areas. Look, I don't have words for how bad this song is on nearly every <laughs> level. Right, yeah. This is awful. This it's, is, it's, it's crap. This is uh, you know, if you are genuinely going to give interviews saying things like we've thrown out the cliches, then have some self-fucking awareness. Because uh. this is... Fucking terrible. There's a shocking key change in this. Oh, yes. Uh, and I love a key change, yeah, obviously. Too. But it, no, it doesn't it Doesn't work on this. Right, okay. On the plus side, it's under four minutes. Mercifully short. Mercifully short. Yeah, yeah. Um, just in terms of the pure cliche, one of the lines that stand out to me, send me some silk stockings, smooth talking lipstick and curls, need some lip locking, cool walking diamonds and pearls. That's that's a terrible, I mean, terrible couplet. Yeah, I mean it's awful, mate. It's, yeah. it's Shakespearean in its fucking well, terribleness. Is, it is. It's straight out of a mid '80s rock song. Yeah, which is what they did. And if that had been on Slippery When Wet or even New Jersey, totally fine, mm-hmm. mate. You, that's what you do at this point. But in 1992, especially in the middle of this album, this is some dog shit. Yeah. You know, uh, and again, we had this on the Def Leppard album. Mm-hmm. Joe Elliott singing those lines, I believe. Mm-hmm. I like. Okay, that, yeah, I reckon that's still what you you want want to sing about. This jars with me on this album mm-hmm. on a Bon Jovi. Well, I, I this is awful. Yeah, and I, I don't mind a dumb rock song. I if if it had been a better tune, I might have been more inclined to give it a pass. But this is not a good tune. Dog shit, mate. Yeah. This is absolute dog shit. Exactly. Even even this sounds like they got something. Oh, we found this on the demo tapes for the last album. We might as well use it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a song very much out of time, but it's yeah. but it's short anyway. So it's, ne- it's short. So uh, let's uh, take a break now. Yes, and indeed. Let's have a look at the uh, singles. Singles, right? Once again, the top ten is uh, the week of eighth to the fourteenth of November, and we've seen a lot of these, but there's there's a couple of new bits. Uh, number ten. See if you get this one. I think they say the title quite quickly. But see if you can get the band. 
Oh, it's um, who needs love like that? It's yeah. Uh, who knows love like that? It's uh, who needs love like that? It's not the communards, is it? Is it someone? No, he said band. Uh huh. Oh, it's fucking erasure. It's erasure. Yeah, Absolutely erasure. Who needs love like that? So that's number ten in the charts. Uh, number nine is Bizarre Inc. I'm gonna get you, which we've had already. Mm-hmm. Number eight. Uh, right. There's no way that you'll get the act on this because. There's, it just wouldn't happen but it's another one where they've taken a ridiculous sample and turned it into a rave tune oh it's so, Toy Town see, see if you can get what they're, they're sampling here I'll give it it's not a theme tune or a TV theme tune isn't it? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't remember this at all. I don't think I do. I think I've read about this. Super, so this is a Super Mario song. Super, it's called Super Mario Land by the Ambassadors of Funk. <laughs> Never on. fucking heard of this. Move on. Unbelievable. Move on. We, we had that Tetris one. Yeah. Um, this is much Chip worse. tune, but uh. done shit. Yeah. Uh, number seven... I remember this coming out because it's a song I remember very fondly from when I was like two or three and I used to sing on the radio. But it's a band who did another dreadful cover in the same year. Is it like London Boys or something? No, it's no. London Beat. Or... No. It's Never Let Her Slip Away, which is originally Andrew Gold's song. I don't remember this at all, all right. really. Uh, but it's by Undercover, same ones that did Baker Street. Oh, God. Yeah, uh, they had a second fucking hit. Well. I know, dear Christ. Uh, number six. I, I don't expect you to get this tall. I'll play it just underneath it. But Be My Baby. Right. Do you remember this coming Vanessa Paradis. Really? Yeah. yeah, again, just completely new to me. Uh, number five. Another terrible dance cover of a song oh this is um no I was thinking that sounded like Little Louie oh French Kiss French Kiss obviously that's like 88 yeah no this is um, a cover of a song from about 86 87 that does sound like French Kiss yeah um I I think I remember this coming out because I think I remember going what is happening right now this is all dreadful shit um and the band is called Rage, anyway. Oh, German. Were they? I think so, uh, yeah. Possibly. That would make sense why they thought this was a good idea to, to take a, a classic kind of rock tune. Yeah, uh-huh. I, yeah, I want to run away. Uh, run to you. Run to you. Yeah. Uh, so that was number five, and really, really bad. This is a terrible top ten. Um, oh, this no, is one of the worst we've this had. Is absolutely. One number four, and hey, you might, you might have liked it at the time. I'm pretty sure I remember you saying you quite liked the band at the time. It is the Shaman. Yeah. Yes, indeed it is. This track 
boss drum. Boss drum, yeah, boss drum. Yeah, I, yeah. Like, I, I don't remember how it started, but I remember the drum, drum, right. here we go again, rhythm of turn. There you go. Yeah. Uh, that's number four. Number three, and this is a big tune, right? You'll get this pretty much straight away. Oh, that's uh, Arrested Development um, with... Um, It's not Mr. Wendell. It's not, oh, it's Tennessee. No, it's no, not, not Tennessee. Tennessee. It's the other one. Get to the chorus. Ah. Everyday people. Yes, there, there you are. Uh, people every day, this one called. But yes, it's that one. Um, number three, which is... Uh, for a band that I don't think we've seen crack the top ten before, this is their first big hit over in the right. UK. Uh, number two, it's a big tune. You'll get this. Oh God! Uh huh. Charles and Eddie, would I like to? Would I like to? <laughs> Charles and Eddie. Charles and Eddie. Yeah, I remember really liking that single. I think that's oh, catchy I as fuck. That at the time. <laughs> I like that. Uh, and number one, I'm not going to bother playing because I think we've had it before. Boys to Men, end of the road. Sure. That's the number one at that time. There are a lot of other singles out in the kind of the end of the year bit. Sure. So we'll we'll run through a lot of these. Uh, the first one. You're not going to know this, I'd imagine. Dinosaur Junior, Get Me. It only got to number 44. I had this at the time, and it was sort of the first thing I had got as contemporary for Dinosaur Junior, having heard Freak sing loads in my indie club. And I really like this. I think it's a good little tune, uh, but it's nothing particularly special. Uh, This one got to number five. Absolute Stone Cold classic. Yeah, ding, 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 ding. Out of space. Yes, indeed, by Prodigy out of space. Uh, uh, right, this another one got to number sixteen, and again they say it quite uh, quickly. Wrote a song about it, like to hear. That's uh, in vogue. Uh, never gonna get it. No, it's a uh, free mind. Free your mind, yeah, yeah, indeed. And you said before you had the album. I think this yeah, is yeah, Bucky Davis still got it. Still got it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that is that is a good catchy tune. Brilliant song. Yeah. Uh, number twenty eight, and we've talked about this before. So Faith No More. Yes, indeed. Uh, this one number f- only got to number 50. Oh, my God. Soundgarden. Soundgarden. Outshined. Outshined, yep. Uh, and we've talked about the album that this one was from. Um, this got to number 14. And you, you're a massive fan of the album. Yeah, this is... Um, Do you remember what single this is? This is uh, Who's Gonna Ride Your Wild Horses. Yes, it is. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. You too. Who's Gonna Ride Your Wild Horses? Off Axon Baby, obviously. But so this is a year on from Axon Baby. I think I've got... I think I've got possibly the, the cassette... Oh, oh. I had the cassette single of that, actually. Did you? Oh, okay. I think, I had, yeah, I think it had their cover... If I'm correct, it had their cover of uh, Paint It Black. Oh, I see. Live cover of Paint right. It Black, which was actually pretty good. Oh, fair play. Okay. Because I remember it coming out as a single, but I remember it being one of the ones I didn't like as much because I really loved The Fly and I really loved One. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, and this is okay too. Mysterious Ways? Mysterious Ways, good tune. Yeah, but again, it wasn't as good as the first two and then this was like a little not as good as the I think Mysterious Ways is probably my favourite song on that album. Oh, wow, right. I really love Mysterious Ways. Fair play. Right, this one. Got to number 12. Oh, it's a sunny ride. Uh... Uh, connected by a stereo and C, isn't it? Not connected. Oh, 
That is Stereo MCs. Step it up. Step it up. That's the one. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, This is a fucking hip-hop classics. In terms of, you know, this this actually got to number 24, so bigger than I thought it was. Oh, nice. Yeah. Bit of a... Rex and Effect. Rex and Effect, Rump Shaker. Rump Shaker. All I want to do is put my zoom, 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 in your boom, boom. Shake yeah. your rump. Um, some that I've not even bothered like jotting down to play. Lion Rock released Lion Rock. and got to number 63. This is well before I oh, was I aware would, of that. I would have thought Lion Rock was like 95. Indeed. Well, that's when I cut the big beat thing. Yeah, that, yeah. But apparently they've been releasing stuff since back here. Oh, Fine. Uh, Nirvana released In Bloom, got to number 28. Is that the one with the uh, the black and white video? In Bloom, yes. Yes, yes indeed. Um, Boys to Men released Motown Philly, got back to number again. 23. Yes, indeed. And I think I now can't hear that without thinking of the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia bit where they do the acapella of that. Nice. That's so, so ingrained in there now. Um, couple more. Got to number 19 and we've mentioned this many times. And I know you hate it. Uh huh. Yes, Lemonheads, Mrs. Robinson. Yes, it is. Awful. Yes, indeed. Um, that's the last one I've got, except for one that I didn't actually bother to look for on Spotify because I thought that might be a bad idea. Apparently, Gary Glitter released one called Through the Years. Fucking hell, yeah. yeah. Years years six to seven, normally. <laughs> he's like, he's got a menu. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Let's have a look through the years, if that's all right, please. Oh, yeah. Fucking hell, mate. Yeah, no. Yes, but that's the only other one that I've got. Uh, everything else, pretty good. But that's us for, for that. So, back into Bon Jovi. All right, so let's do the last third of Bon Jovi's album here. So we're at track number nine. Okay, so the last one was the uh, song we described as mercifully short. Yes, uh, and we're on to one called Fear now. Which is also short, shortest one on the album. It is, uh, just over three minutes. Yes. Thank you, Bon Jovi, for doing this. It's lovely of you. And so, yeah, big bass bit going on, mm-hmm. big uh, drum beat. Bit of a siren, always yeah. a good rock roll style stable. Yeah. I mean, am I wrong? But that the bass, right? Dun, do, 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 do. Am I reading too much into it, or does that sound a little bit like at the end of Sandman? I've been overshadowed at this point. Yeah, I, but I, I, I just imagine it crashing into. Yeah, I mean, it's in a, it's in a, 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 it's not really note. Oh, not at all. Close, but, but again, I'm just wondering is Bob Rock I know what pushing in that direction? But this is, you know, this is a straightforward, stompy rocker. Yeah. Solid and fun, perfectly acceptable album track. A couple of very nice riffs. Uh-huh. No real GCSE philosophy in this one, which I think is good. No, nope, true. Uh, works isn't risible. Right, isn't risible. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> a big rubber stump that just goes, isn't risible. Exactly. <laughs> Pass. Um, I wondered if what it's about because it's about you know uh, you don't want to live in fear and you don't want to let anything hold you back if you're scared to try it I wonder is this you know, here's me injecting some GCSE philosophy into it is this about the band being in a territory that they are scared of because uh, everything's changed and they don't recognise the land, musical landscape anymore and so they're trying not to let their fear hold them back because they're 
they are trying new things. They are trying to be different. They are, and that's what it's about. I mean, maybe you, you could be correct, yeah. but that would display a level of introspection that I would argue, <laughs> uh, if I was to present cases against that level of introspection, I would present all of the other. Songs. No, that's fair. It would be outweighed by the others. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is. I've got a note that says this is exactly what I thought track nine on a 1992 Bon Jovi album would sound like. They, okay. I will have forgotten this tomorrow. I think this is. Generic as shit. I yeah. I mean, I think this is it's generic and shit. But by want of how strongly I dislike a lot of this record, mm-hmm. it's one of the better tracks on it, the album. It's moving itself into your, the top half for you yeah, at least. For sure. Right. I see. Yeah. Nothing I get from that one. I must admit. I I like that it's a bit different and they are going down a bit more of a tough stomper route. But it just doesn't hit any bits for me. Yeah. Okay. So the uh, next track is called "I Want You." Oh, 80s keyboard in there. Oh, did you did you order some extra cheese with your balancer? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is proper 80s rock cheese, isn't it? This is a breakup song. This is very uh-huh. much a song out of time. This is completely 80s. Yeah. It's got a little bit of a like uh, like a missing you vibe. Uh huh. Yeah. John White, whatever his sure. name is. John yeah, White, it was John White. Yeah. It was John White. Yeah. I mean, there's some terrible lyrics on this. Oh, it's shocking. I mean, my guitar, these chords, and the truth. What are you on about? I've eliminated oh. all the cliches from this record. I'm <laughs> <laughs> to condense them into this one. Hey, for fuck's sake. Yeah. And this, more than any of the others, uh, any of the other ballads, is so boy bandy. This is real Westlife on their stools. Mm-hmm. Uh, cheese. Big, obvious chords and melody. <laughs> but it, it just never gets off the ground in, in a way that any of the other slower ones that I like do. It just... Blah, it flops along. This is very 80s and very, very bland. It's essentially a chicken. It's it's a chicken Kiev without a lot of garlic. Fine, yeah. It's a chicken Kiev you'd serve to your grand. Yeah, it's food I'd serve to you, mate. That's fine. Uh, Yeah. Um, The other thing is, it doesn't need to be five and a half minutes long again. This is overly long. 30 second fade out. Mm -hmm. Fuck, just stop the song. Just stop the song, yeah. Yeah. I don't understand. This is this is a 65-minute long album, 12 mm-hmm. songs. So you're on an average of about five and a half minutes per song, yeah. which is too much in, in general for me. It's the upper level of, okay, you can get away with that. Mm-hmm. But whenever you do have a couple of three-minute songs, you it's been proven you can write a shorter song. Yeah. You can take a, a verse and a chorus out when it's acceptable. This is crying out for a trim. Yeah, I mean, fair, like my pubes at the minute. Well, there, exactly. Yeah, for yeah. sure, mate. I, uh, I often think of Bon Jovi when I think uh, of your but, pubes. But I think, you know, again, this is one of those things where it's it's a confusing an editing process for maturity. Mm. Oh, we're not trying to write those three-minute pop songs. We're trying to write more serious rock songs. It's like, yeah. well, you're not. You're writing watered-down pop songs with fucking very earnest lyrics, and you're not taking the same level of precision with them. I'm surprised Bob Rock didn't trim some of the shit out of this. Well, they wrote 30 songs for this album, so yeah. he, he imagine what he did trim. And most of the ones they ended up with were the Bon Jovi penned ones, weren't they? I think so, yeah. I think a lot of the ones he just did by himself. Yeah, uh, yeah this, this could have been trimmed or it could have been taken off the album and nobody would have given a shit yeah, yeah. I don't like this one nah uh, so track 11 is Blame It On The Love Of Rock And Roll mm-hmm. a very short notes for this song oh, I mean I've got quite a lot of notes but it's it's all bad I mean yeah my, my, my I mean I'll start with my three words go fuck this song <laughs> yep I've, we I've got said, rid of the cliches but added some cowbell 
Yeah. yeah. This sounds again like John Cougar Mellencamp. Uh, yeah. Going down that boogie. It's, I think it's unintentionally hilarious because it's so fucking bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel a little bit embarrassed that this is on an album of them trying to be a bit more serious. Like, musically, there are things like there, there are hints somewhere in the, of bad medicine that it's almost going into that. There's a pastiche as a play. Um, and I have nothing against people who write songs about their love of rock and roll music, and but it's back to that boogie woogie thing that we had before where yeah. it's trying to be a bit more fun and young. This now doesn't sound any good, mate. And they hear that key change there. Yeah. That, you know, it sounds like bad Def Leppard. Yes, it does. Yeah. And, right, the, in terms of lyrics on this... Yeah. It feels so good, it ought to be illegal. It's like, <laughs> if it feels like that much of a mouthful to say, don't say it. <laughs> but it and it follows up, you know, uh, it, it feels like it ought to be illegal. I got my vaccination from a phonograph needle. I oh, mean, no. Mate, you... Every little boy wants to learn to play guitar so he can pick up all the chicks and be a rock and roll star. And then, uh, my mama thinks I'm crazy, my dad thinks I'm insane. I got this boogie-woogie fever that's burning in my veins. It's just wall-to-wall yeah, awful. Remember what I said about mojo and fucking stuff like that? Sure, yeah. yeah. If you use the words boogie-woogie fever, yeah. Yeah, you're fucking either in a lot of trouble with your Jules Holland right? <laughs> yeah this is another one on my list of songs that should have been cut from this album without a doubt yeah awful um, but just to, to, to prove a point that it's not that I dislike the fact he's writing about enjoying rock and roll or even boogie woogie he can like those things that's mm-hmm. fine and people have written songs about that that I approve of mm-hmm. I've, I've got a few that I think prove a point I love rock and roll John yep. Jett Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, Rock and Roll Music by Chuck Berry, Stroke mm-hmm. the Beatles. Brilliant song. We Want Fun, Andrew WK. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, All Time Rock and Roll, Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. Th- these are good, fun tunes. Mm-hmm. This is not. This is a bad song. And again, give this to the Georgia Satellites or the Choir Boys. They'll take it and run because yeah, that's it, what they do. Give it to the Black Crows. Give it to the Black Crows. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That, that they've definitely got boogie woogie fever, yeah. Black Crows. They inject it daily. Oh, exactly, mate, exactly. No, I think this is really bad. And this is showing how badly stacked this album is for me, that the first five songs were five singles. Mm -hmm. Um, The the Dry County was also a single. So the first seven songs have the six singles, the six hits. Everything else after that is not as good for me. This is an album of two halves. It's like, all right, here's all the big ones and here's the rest. Yeah, and I don't like quite a lot of the big ones. No, indeed. So, yeah, you're even worse off than me. Uh, but, okay, so at this point, we've only got one more to go. Okay, this is called A Little Bit of Soul. Now, there's some stuff at the start of this song that can only reasonably be... I mean, I, I presume it's them, and if it is, it's a bit of doing the voice. <laughs> like, literally... I wouldn't like, put them off. They're I, doing it. I mean, I th- yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, it's like that bit in Weird Science where... Uh-huh. Yeah. Where they're where they're sitting around the the, the the poker table talking jive, right? Which is not something that plays well in two thousand. No, indeed, we've got a different view now. Um, this is this is obviously a bit more bluesy. Yeah, jam, soul kind of, yeah, organ jam band feel. Sure, isn't it? Um, I'm guessing that Sambora, because this is a cool write with Sambora. Yeah. This is after he's done his blues album yeah. with the likes of Eric Clapton. I reckon they've gone. Oh, well, okay, we'll, we'll give him one, and they've stuck it at track twelve. 
Yeah, I mean, I think this is a very nondescript dull tune. Yeah. Six minutes long again. Yeah. No reason. No reason, does it? It peters out. It does. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, it's not a good way to end a record. No. I, I get there's, there's a, an authenticity in this that they're striving for. Yeah. Uh, you know, going soul music, and there's the gospel influences, there's the soul stuff, the blues, but I don't know if it... I don't think it works on the album and it definitely doesn't have a tune to it. It's, it that's not the Bon Jovi I give a shit about at all no. don't care um, and that's it you know, six minutes and it finishes that's the end of the album I'm like fucking up. at this point I was every time I listened through I was like thank god that's over Yeah, there was there was once something that I can't remember who it was I think it was Mark Lamar said it mm-hmm. about Duran Duran on an episode of The Word right um, and got shot down pretty fucking hard by uh uh, Amanda de Cabernet? Uh, yeah, Amanda uh-huh. de Cabernet, yeah. And he went, uh, Duran Duran, who uh, who had an army of 13-year-old fans but wanted to be serious musicians, who are now th- serious musicians and have 13 fans, right? <laughs> right? Okay. Which is a fucking that's, brilliant bit. That's a nice little, yeah. Brilliant bit of snark. Uh-huh. Totally disagree with it. Really like one, uh, yeah. uh, Duran Duran. But that's kind of how you feel about this. Yeah. So, all right, okay. So how do you feel about this album as a whole? As a whole, I was... Surprised by how many I was okay with because I expected to hate them all. I expected to, to think this is all awful and I can't believe this is the final one mm. in the series. I was pleasantly surprised that there were someone here I was okay with. I still think it's a bad album and I will never ever listen to it again. And I'm glad for you, and normally mm. the other way around, I'm glad for mm-hmm. you that you got more out of this than I expected. I absolutely did, yeah. I, 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 I think probably in the top five times of being the most surprised by how far apart we are on this. And I'm, mm. I'm having a second, so maybe I've just got a hangover with this, but I, I just think this is a terrible record. Right. With the with the exception of... The first single. Yeah, with Keep the Faith, which I think is a good, genuinely a good song. Yeah. I genuinely enjoy that. Uh, Dry County, I think, is an all right song. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, on, it's, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely decent. Yeah. But really, apart from that, I think most of the rest of this record is, Nothing else is, for you. is terrible. Right. It's just an example of a band out of time trying to move on with something, not executing it well, I don't think. And I'm sure there are a lot of people mm. that would disagree with me, uh, but there is nothing that I want out of a record that this is particularly delivering Fine. to me. Uh, but yeah, I think they are aiming for something akin to the Guns N' Roses moving on and not being the, the proper cock yeah. rock they were. Thank God they didn't do a double album. Jesus Christ. Sure. Um, but I think when you see someone like Springsteen, who did his Human Touch album at the start of 1992, and showed that you can do grown-up rock like this, come out of the 80s and still you know, make it work, yeah. they've missed that. I think they have fallen between two camps, and it doesn't work for either. Yeah. Okay, well, in terms of songs we're going to put onto our ongoing playlist then, I mean, uh, for, for me, I'm saying this is a one-track record. I'm fine with that. Um, there's only one we agree yeah, on. P- so keep the faith. Keep the faith. It's a shame that we, because bound by our own rules, we can't put a single edit on, because I think the single edit's going to be much better. But we're putting the full thing on there. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Right, and that brings us to the end of 1992's albums. Wow. I know. It's been a, it's been a, tra- it's been a much longer to fucking get there than we thought it would because it, it, of, uh, you know, the, the global whole, pandemic. The whole pandemic and you having a child. Right, and me having a child. Indeed. Yeah, that did, that, you that know, did happen. A, but we are at the end of the 1992 journey. Um, we are going to do a couple more bits, though, uh, before we yes. kind of close the door on 1992. Uh, so the next thing we're going to do 
is we're going to do our end of year roundup, aren't we? We certainly are. Yes. So we're going to do, I mean, it'll probably end up being a two-parter, I would imagine. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see how, how much time we dedicate yeah. to it, how much we have to say. We're not going to do We're not going to do a hip-hop special this year just because it's more difficult to record at the minute and we've got some stuff yeah. to do. So we're going to amalgamate that in. Yeah, so we're going to have some hip-hop in there as well. And uh, then we might do another kind of a Christmas special, something like that, uh, well, to I mean, release around Christmas Day. So we've got uh, a couple more bits to go before we close the door on night two, but it's been a pleasure uh, looking at some. Well, I say a pleasure. It's been a mixed bag. It's been a fucking mixed bag, hasn't it? <laughs> We've had some absolute shit to listen to this year. Have. But yeah, it's been fun, man. It's yeah. been fun. But um, yeah, thank you so much for, uh, for listening as always. Mm. Uh, and we will be back with a couple of specials for you between now and Christmas. Lovely stuff. Um, and yeah, man, stay in touch via social media, all that stuff as per normal. And we will see you next time. Great stuff. Thank you very much, guys. Bye. Thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. It was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We're on Twitter, at PCL Podcast, on Instagram, also at PCL Podcast, and facebook.com slash PCL Podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is pclpodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on pclmusicpodcast at gmail.com.